It is time. Pour that wine so you are feeling fine. Kick up your feet and take a seat. Fancy a blather? Let's have one together. Hello and welcome or welcome back to Fancy a Blather. I am your host, Kirsty Taylor, and this week we are joined by the wonderful Emily Hopkins, who has actually been featured on Small Talk before, but you'll get to learn a lot more about her and um, the work that she's been doing in sustainable fashion. So stay tuned for that. But now we're going to kick off by starting off with, of course, our Small Wonder of the Week. So, um, my small under of the week is one that I'm really surprised I haven't mentioned before. Um, I've been having a pretty tough weekend. I'm literally recording this on Sunday and I'm just going to go out in like an hour later, like the intro, because it's been one of those weekends, you know? You feel me. I'm sure you do. I, I can hear your voices echoing. Yes, I get you in reply. So I appreciate that. Maybe that's just the voices in my head, but I'm okay with that too. <clears throat> Sorry. Um, so yeah, I have just been crazy, hectic, busy doing stuff. Um, we're getting near the publication of issue two of Continue the Voice, which is so exciting. And um, for those of you that are new and don't know, I am a head editor for a wonderful zine that I started. So I'm a little bit biased called Continue the Voice and we're just hitting up issue two and it's it's fun it's a good time it's just a lot of work um so kind of been doing that I've got a big teaching assessment coming up um people who don't know again um I am a student teacher so that's been pretty intense um so I've kind of been spending my weekend just doing a lot of paperwork and planning and emailing and writing but not really for myself like editing for other people and then writing a piece for continuing the voice actually but I haven't unfortunately been writing much poetry recently which does break my heart a bit but I'm hoping come Christmas I can free up some time for a good old poetry staycation where I just go into a little bubble and just write for ages that's my favorite thing to do anyway really off topic and we're talking about my small wonder of the week so yeah oh final thing big tangent today I know it's one of those days um yeah today was already going a bit not the best wasn't feeling too well ate something that didn't really agree with me um sorry if that's TMI and then to top it all off, I had a couple of Christmas decorations from home, from home. Sadly, I don't have that many with me, so we're going to have to resolve that problem soon. But um, I was taking down a box that had baubles in it. Um, no, I, yeah, I, no, sorry, I was putting it away that had baubles in it because I don't have anything to hang them on, unfortunately, because the little tree that I normally use is at my parents, and obviously... Um, or not, maybe not obviously, but for those of you that don't know, my parents are in a tier three location and I'm not in the same location as them. So I can't go and collect it, sadly, or see them or anything, which is kind of bummy, but it's 2020. So yeah, anyway, I was um, putting this box back up, probably in far too high a shelf and not very intelligently. So of course the whole box fell um, and two baubles smashed everywhere. One of them was filled with sequins. Um, so gold sequins literally everywhere all over my flat I still keep finding them even though I like brushed them up hoovered etc etc got rid of all the glass and um, yeah what a what a dream but two of them survived so out of 
no, maybe three of them survived out of five. So I'm okay with that. It could have been worse. And I am, I got them last year when I was working at Flying Tiger. So I didn't pay that much for them. But yeah, it was still a pretty sad time. But anyway, so that leads me to my small wonder of the week. Um, my duvet. Can we just can we just take a minute here to just appreciate duvets? They are like the best things to ever exist, I swear on my life. I do like a good blanket, but a duvet just hits different. And when you're having a crappy day or maybe it's freezing cold in your flat in Aberdeen and feels like it's going to snow outside because it's so cold, you just come home, put your radiator on and you just wrap your duvet around you. It's kind of like a dressing gown, but better because it's warmer. I say as I'm in my dressing gown, so obviously I love that too. I don't know if that's been a small wonder, but the duvet. I just want to say, if you're not from Britain or wherever, or Europe, or I don't know where people say it differently, if you live in Canada, I know, and you call it a comforter, okay, I guess you could call it that, but duvet just sounds nicer. And also, oh, I just love it so much. So yeah, that's my little my little small small wonder of the week. So now what I'm engaging with, I'm actually a little bit embarrassed to say this one. Normally have things that are like cool, like forward thinking and progressive or like fun and stuff like this. And this is more of just like a guilty pleasure. And as I said, I've had a very busy week. So I've been watching I'm a Celebrity. I'm sorry. I know it's not always morally very correct, but I can't get enough. It starts in 15 minutes, which is why I'm like recording that because I was like, oh, I can't record when I'm watching I'm a Celebrity. So my evenings have become revolved around I'm a Celeb. I just, I can't handle it. I don't know if it's Anne and Deck. I think it's just a little bit of normalcy. I know it's in a castle in Wales and all, but like, I don't know, just having something on the tally that's there every year is just nice. Um, my tops at the moment, I guess maybe I'll do like tell you every week at the moment. Um, I really love Giovanna, big Shane Ritchie fan so far. Um, of course, Mo Farah's an icon. Um, who else? Vernon Kay, obviously. Jordan North, what an icon. Changed the whole game around and good on him. And uh, I don't really feel like we've had enough screen time from quite a few of the other people for me to know they're my tops. I do really like Victoria. I think she's cool. I have to say, though, so far, Giovanna is, is creeping on up there. Maybe just because I really liked her wedding, her husband's wedding speech to her. I don't know. But that's my I'm a slab update. And that is what I'm engaging with this week. So I won't be linking in the show notes because if you're British, I'm sure you know where to find it. However, I'm not happy about the amount of adverts they have. Lucky for you. This podcast doesn't have any adverts. So we're going to hop straight into our poem of the week. So I found this poem on ecoage.com and it's, um, they have a magazine. So full credits to them and to um, Wilson Oremia. I'm pretty sure that's how you spell it, say it. If it's not, I do apologize. So yeah, full credits to Wilson on Oromia and to Eco Age, and which I of course will have linked in the show notes. <clears throat> so the title of the poem is An Example of What We Shouldn't Do. We met at the local. I usually don't find myself in the bargain aisle, flanked by the unpleasing and disorderly used to doubt like couture in the rubbish pile, 
or non-plastic packaging in the fresh produce aisle, produce aisle. A longing glance, a speedy gait, a light tap, you were mine, mine were yours. It was a beauty to behold. Boundaries learned, conditions tested. The sunlight wore out wore at our foundations, the spin cycle washed away the remains, and what remained could not be saved. So I bid you adieu as I toss you into the chute and head back to the high street in search of pastures new. Hopefully I can find a a shirt that lasts more than a week or two. If counting, this might be attempt 352. Maybe I should go with quality in mind and not buy cheap in case I later change my mind. So yeah, that poem is in Eco Ages magazine, which I highly recommend checking out. I'm definitely going to check them out more. And it was by Wilson Oromea. So definitely give that a a read and find check out Wilson and his work. If I can find his social media, I will link that in the show notes too. And um, yeah, so now we will hop into our positive news story. So this week's is from good old positive.news. So it's literally just positive.news and you'll find it. And I wanted, there's quite a lot of good eco-eat ones, which is fun because it's very on brand. But I'm going to talk about the one rotten veg puts the green in green energy because I thought it was interesting. So it says there was more positive news for the renewable sectors this week after it emerged that a novel material made from crop waste can convert UV light into energy. What's well, sick, huh? Carvey Erehan Maggie, sorry for the pronunciation of that, and an engineer student at Mopua University, sorry, in the Philippines, used waste fruit and vegetables to make the plastic-like material which can be easily attached to buildings. Oh, that's handy too. His innovation, dubbed Aureus, 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 landed him a sustainable gong in the James Dyson Awards. That's pretty, that's pretty up there. They're pretty big awards, I'm pretty sure. Unlike solar panels, Aureus works even when not directly facing the sun because it can pick up UV rays bouncing off buildings. We love that. Good for you, Carvey Erhan. <laughs> I'm going to butcher the name again. I'm very sorry. Um, Maggie? Um, that's sweet. So that is our positive news story of the week. And now we're going to kick into the main episode. Hi all, just Kirsty popping in here for our charity spot of the week. This week was chosen by our guest Emily Hopkins and she chose WWF. So WWF offer adoptions, donations and memberships and they of course work with animals. I feel like they're quite a well-known um, charity but just in case they aren't I'll tell you a little bit about them. So WWF is the world's leading independent conservation organisation Um, Their mission is to create a world where people and wildlife can thrive together. To achieve their mission, they're finding ways to help transform the future for the world's wildlife, rivers, forests and seas, pushing for a reduction in carbon emissions that will avoid catastrophic climate change and pressing for measures to help people live sustainably within the means of our one planet. Um, Yeah, so you can check out their website. It has so many things. It's one of my favorite places to go it has um 
they have their own publications. They also have stuff about their Living Planet Center, which is in the UK. Um, obviously, it's probably not open at the moment. FAQs. Um, you can adopt an animal with them. You can donate. You can fundraise. They've got Earth Hour, Footprint Calculator. Loads of really good stuff for teachers, actually. There's really helpful stuff. They have a shop if you want to support them in that way. They have like a gender pay gap report, a modern slavery statement. So they really are doing it all and um, they also have a fun tab of like their success stories which is really cool so you can see what they've done so far and that will hopefully inspire you to donate to them so that they can do even more wonderful things so you can find wwf at wwf.org.uk so that's wwf.org.uk yeah so make sure to check them out enjoy the rest of this week's episode so this week we are joined by the fabulous Emily Hopkins to talk all about sustainable fashion. Emily is not only a wonderful friend of mine, um, but she is also a sustainable textile designer who, specialize, who specializes in ethical biomaterials and um, is now making eco-friendly products, which you can buy for yourself on Etsy. The perfect Christmas gifts for everyone. And she is just out there smashing the game. So you, ca- so stay tuned as we're about to hop into the conversation with Emily and find out more about the world of sustainable fashion, how we can get involved, and how we can make the changes that are needed in this world. So yeah, enjoy this week's episode. Cool. Hi, Emily. It's great to have you on Fancy Brother. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm really well, thank you. Good. It's nice to see you again. I feel like it's been so long. For those of you that are listening and don't know, Emily and I met together at the same place as Naomi and I met at um, our little camp in, it's not that little, our medium sized <laughs> camp in uh, Canada. So, it's nice yeah, to lovely to see you again. <laughs> nice to be back together virtually. <laughs> So um, we're just going to kick off with the first question, which I think is one of the biggest questions of the whole interview, which is, um, so sustainability fashion is definitely something a lot more people are trying to do at the moment and definitely like a conversation that's happening a lot more um, than it has in the past. So first of all, what is sustainable fashion to you? How, how would you define that? Um, so it's a pretty tricky question to get started with. Um, it's because sustainability has such a, a lot of parts to it and it's quite mm-hmm. hard to define um, and being used by so many people and so many companies well including myself um, it doesn't always fit the original definition which is usually to sort of maintain something and not do any harm to it um, but sustainable fashion it comes from like loads of different aspects basically I think it should be something that's natural um, mm-hmm. so it's not putting anything um unnatural back into the environment because everything will go back in eventually um it also comes like it has to be ethical um for people animals and environment so vegan um people are treated right safe environments and paid the right wages um yeah so many aspects to it yeah yeah, perfect. I think that's a good point as well. But um, people have to be treated fairly too. So it's also about like who's making the um, the products and are they receiving like a fair pay and a fair like um, uh, what's the term like workplace conditions. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I think that's an excellent point. So do you have so a lot of people are trying to cut fast fashion out of their lives? 
it's definitely from my experience not something that happens overnight it's definitely more of a a progressive um experience because of course no one's in our generation anyway or older was born with it knowing that fast fashion was a problem so we've kind of taught ourselves how to shop so it's like unteaching yourself something so do you have um, any advice for people who are trying to either cut out fast fashion altogether or just trying to like cut back on it to eventually cut it out from their lives yeah it's so tricky like you said it's part of our culture we're literally brought mm. up to shop in that way um to consume <laughs> constantly um and it's changing our mindsets but there's so many ways to shop secondhand now which is probably the best way to do it um to cut fast fashion out because something's already been made it doesn't matter where it's come from if you're giving it like a new lease of life um bought from a charity shop which is a great way because it helps as well go money going to charities um so many sites you know depop ebay like vintage stores that are just popping up online and in um sort of real high streets as well um i think some good advice is just be to be patient um obviously the opposite of fast fashion is actually <laughs> like slow fashion so that could come in like many forms um some designers make things to order so then they'll have no waste so that obviously takes a little bit more time um it also takes a bit more time to maybe do some research um everything is so readily available mm. um in big shops like online and in the high street but um, if you can do some research, find small designers, which maybe don't have as much advertisement. Um, it does take time to find those places, but it will be worthwhile. Yeah, I think that's a great point about slow fashion. And I think that's a good way for people to think about it also is like um, maybe your decisions in purchasing things will be slower. And that's probably a positive thing because we mm -hmm. have so many clear outs and we end up kind of changing our clothes every season rather than using our autumn clothes from the year before again the next year so i think that's a good idea as well just to take a step back and think do i do i need to have this product and i made to order products way more likely to make you think about it more than spending like five pound here or five pound there but that does add up as well over time yeah people definitely it gives aware. more value to our clothes as well which obviously will care for them a bit more um, and hopefully keep them for a bit longer. <laughs> yeah, amazing. So um, what are some biomaterials that people should look out for in sustainable clothing? And also, it's kind of a two for this one. Um, how do these <laughs> materials work? Like what, how, do, how does biomaterials, or as, I know that's a big question, but like maybe there's a few <laughs> that you can speak to or about. Yeah, so um, biomaterials are sort of this fairly new concept in terms of um, textile design and fashion. I'd say it's really come about in the last sort of 10 years. Um, so it's materials made from biological matter. So they degrade really quickly, fully natural. Um, well, biology is living organisms. So mm. it's um, very sort of natural. Um, I'd say like Suzanne Lee is a pioneer in this like area. Um, definitely watch her TED Talks, I would suggest. Okay, I'll link those in the show notes for everyone. Oh yeah, that would be great. <laughs> um, she did one maybe 10 years ago. So her first one talking about um, this material she has created. Um, well, it's been around for years, but she's sort of harnessed it to make a vegan yeah. leather. Um, so it's grown from bacteria. It's called bacterial cellulose. Um, but earlier this year, she did another TED talk, which is really like pushing the boundaries. It's called um, Why Biofabrication is the Next Industrial Revolution. I think that's a 
really key topic and everyone should <laughs> educate themselves on that. Um, but there's all sorts going on in biomaterials at the moment. Um, just using what we have an abundance of. Um, using algae is a great example. Mm -hmm is that is everywhere it's fast growing um like produces so much oxygen for the planet um so i'm excited to see what people are doing with it at the moment but in terms of fashion it's not quite there yet but soon <laughs> soon we'll start be wearing living organisms amazing so um a lot of fast fashion stores have um like sustainable in quotes um <laughs> lines such as um the ones that come like to the top of my head are like zara's join lifeline or like h&m's conscious line and things like that how do you feel about these lines or maybe a deeper question what is problematic about the term sustainable fashion in terms of like these fast fashion brands having sustainable lines kind of thing do you know what i mean like how does <laughs> yeah. that sit with you <laughs> yeah so right it's very um problematic um, basically sustainable fast fashion is an oxymoron they should not go together <laughs> um, yeah it should not be sort of fast and produced in the masses that it is <laughs> um, so H&M often comes up in this conversation and with their conscious lines um, it's just greenwashing really it's using their advertising um, to appear more eco-friendly when really it's not really because they're um, sort of supply chain is just so big it would be impossible for them to be truly sustainable um, they've done some good things so in their conscious collection in 2019 they featured a material called pinotex and it's made from the waste leaves of pineapples mm -hmm. um, it's really cool to like be represented by such a big brand as H&M I think it's really getting this new material out there um, so this material has a tiny bit of plastic in the coating but I think it's moving in the right direction to once they're out there, they can start developing it even more eco-friendly. Um, so I think it's pretty positive. Um, but some people do argue that this was almost a cover-up for H&M because um, they uh, promised to give everyone working for them a, a living wage um, by 2018 and they did not reach their goals. So some might say these sort of new lines are a little bit of a cover-up to uh, say they are sustainable when they're not totally ethical. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's but hard it's, as well because it is good that they're on one level, like, yes, you want sustainable um, like fashion to be accessible to all and to like to be promoted by such a big name means that it's kind of out there in the public more which is good but then if it's not done in a way that's actually effective then it's kind of counterproductive yeah it is it's really difficult to find like some things are going really in the right direction and really well but you need mm -hmm. to look sort of past it sometimes there's a really good um campaign uh, who made my clothes that it was called for big fashion brands to be more transparent um, okay. and literally like find out who made our clothes <laughs> So many people have, don't even have that connection. There was um, one study actually where a load of children were asked um, where, like, how do they think their clothes were made? And loads of them came back with the response they thought they were made by robots. They literally wow. didn't think that people were in these sort of factories making clothes. That's <laughs> people crazy. People were so disconnected. <laughs> yeah, wow, that is massively... Yeah, that's <laughs> insane. Um, I think as well the other thing that I find interesting is 
they so like the idea of recycling fabrics like obviously recycling is great but um in terms of you know how you can get those like big bin things that you can put um like clothing into mm-hmm. or things like that sometimes it feels like something that still has a lot of use out of it is being put into like a rat like a rag bin kind of thing do you know like that's what those typically are and i wonder if like what what are your thoughts on that because i think like quite often these things could be given to people who maybe need them more in terms of like sending them to i don't know people seeking refuge or like giving them the homeless people or people or to charity shops if you want to but just giving them more of a life as a clothing item rather than using the energy to yeah i think that would definitely be up to the individual more i would implore people to put in more effort to see where they could where other options they could send their clothes to maybe yeah because once they go into those bins that's like giving it just one more final life that will be made into sort of rags or something like plastic is um you can only recycle most plastics once so that would make it into their like end life use but perhaps they can have other uses um so, yeah yeah really try and think about if it can be used again in a different way um where could you send it that would be great. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Um, so, so you have a you have an Etsy shop. I love your Etsy shop, as I'm <laughs> sure many people know. Um, so, how did you get into making your products and uh, start like get into starting a shop? Like, how did that all come about in your life um, per se? So, I actually for the last three years in my degree, I've studied textile design. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've always tried to be as sustainable as possible within that it's such a big topic for all textile designers nowadays say you can't avoid (laughs) the topic of it so during that I focused mostly on sort of biomaterials I did one project reusing a lot of items um, but now sort of post uni I don't have the spaces to be growing these living things as much so I've gone back to sort of a bit more drawing and painting designing Um, in smaller spaces it's just a lot easier to sort of work with now Um, so I've been reusing as many fabrics as I can people sort of donate some clothes to me bed sheets Um, some materials I get printed myself but I do try and keep them as sustainable as possible buy them from local shops um, and get them onto sort of non-bleached cotton materials Mm -hmm. um, natural fabrics um yeah so I've just tried to continue making since I left um uni in June so anything to keep me creative and if I can share that with people that's great yeah and I can imagine that it's probably more difficult given the current world situation to find a space to create in any way like I'm sure if this was the normal world whatever that was I don't remember that at all now but (laughs) maybe there would be more options for like finding a studio or something or creating with others but of course especially right now because England's back in lockdown of course um there's not as many creations but it's cool that you've managed to keep doing it kind of from within your own home and you make some wonderful products so people should definitely check them out for Christmas and things coming up and we'll have them linked in our bio um so what is your favorite item that do you have a favorite item that you've made today I love asking people this that create things (laughs) Because I want to know David's favorite um, child. It's a cruel question. (laughs) That is quite tricky. Um, Maybe I can go one from uni and one post-uni. Yeah, sure. Go Um, for it. So when I was making some at uni, I'd make this um, kombucha leather. So sort of the vegan leather I mentioned before. I made my own. 
um, and I was making sort of all these intricate patterns and things. But one piece was that was sort of one of my favourites was actually almost by accident and such a simple piece. So I grew this fabric um, and sort of a leftover piece almost. I put it over a, a plastic bowl that was just very accessible to me on the side and it um, sort of clung to this shape. Um, and once it was dry in a couple of days, it created this lovely sort of colour. I put some beetroot in it, so it was this pale pink colour. Mm -hmm. um, and you could just see all the sort of veins and the way it grew um, when you held it up to the light and it formed this lovely shape. Uh, very delicate piece though. Um, but there is some features on my Instagram, so you have to see if you can spot that one. <laughs> um, and then probably post uni, um, I have been looking at some recent trends. Um, I've seen a lot of tropical leaves everywhere, so mm -hmm. I had a go at painting some of them. Um, it's like the cheese plant one, so big yeah. tropical leaves with the uh, holes in. So I painted a few of them um, and printed them onto fabric. Um, and my favourites is maybe this little pouch that I made out of it, a little zip pouch. Uh, could be used like a wash bag or a pencil case. So that's one of my favourites. <laughs> nice, perfect. Um, so this is this is another big one. Lots of big questions today. Um, what do you think the future of fashion is? If someone, if this was your TED talk right now, but you don't you don't have the forty. I don't know how long a TED talk is an hour or whatever. You've just got this little snippet. What what would your answer be? Ooh, so well, it'd probably be idealistic future of fashion. Okay, yeah. What's your what's your what what do you want the future of fashion yeah. to be? To slip um, slip it a bit. So I think um, maybe more compostable uh, materials. Uh, mm -hmm. So we talk about biodegradable um, materials, but compostability perhaps goes even further than that. And it would be a material that you could literally um, bury in your garden and it would uh, degrade so cool. that quickly. Because <laughs> um, I think changing people's behaviors um, after a lifetime of <laughs> overconsumption it will be a very difficult task. Um, the, it is being spoke about a lot now. Um, yeah. People are coming to terms with sort of sustainability and doing a bit more for the planet. But I think if we want to buy as much as we are doing, perhaps the materials we buy um, could have such a short lifespan. And then when we throw them out, it causes no harm to the environment. Literally the definition of sustainable. Because um, it's the end yeah. life of products, which perhaps causes the most problem um so eliminating that aspect of what we do with it when it when we're mm -hmm. done with it um could be the best perhaps um so a few sort of companies i've looked at and actually spoken to are doing amazing things um one in particular is uh, post carbon lab and they are making materials or they're reusing old materials and putting mm -hmm. this sort of surface on it that is living. So you would wear it and it would be this living organism um, which physically takes in carbon dioxide and gives out oxygen, like a plant oh, would wow. do. But you could wear it around and perhaps in its lifetime, it could give out or take in as much carbon as it used up to make it. That's so, so cool. Yeah, I think that would be the idealistic future. <laughs> Having greenery all around us and on us. <laughs> Yeah, I love that. That's so cool that they do that. Yeah. That's a mean idea. Exciting new things are coming out next few years, I predict it. <laughs> yeah, and hopefully as time goes on, sustainable fashion will become more. I think that sometimes the biggest issue with um, 
quote unquote sustainable fashion is that to be truly um ethical or eco-friendly or anything like that you you have to make a certain amount of money in your life so yeah. i hope that like the affordability thing becomes more aware not necessarily like i think that if you buy less then you don't have to spend as like you can spend more on each piece but i also think that it does become difficult for um it's the same i suppose as like food shopping it's a lot harder it's it's often more expensive to buy the healthier products than the unhealthy yeah. products and i think that's a problem that society really needs to work on and hopefully something that fashion will also realize there there's something to be said and i think that's the risk as well with charity shopping i think charity shopping is amazing and i think i implore people to do it and recommend it but i don't like recommend that people do hauls or anything like that in charity shops because some people that is the only place that they can afford to shop and I think you have to be aware of that at the same time as enjoying your but also if you're being slower at fashion then hopefully you're considering your purchases before you make them so you're not going to a charity shop just to browse like you're going there with an intention so that way hopefully you're not going to become such a supply not a supply such a demand (laughs) sorry for um for charity shops so yeah, I yeah. think that's just my my two cents on where I think fashion needs to go. To I just Definitely. think it's it does need to become sort of sustainable. Sustainable fashion does need to become more affordable, and definitely just the amount because you know if you had the say sort of a, a larger amount of money to spend on one item, like you said, um, so if you could buy a fifty pound pair of boots outright that would be great but some people maybe can only spend 10 pounds on one pair of boots and then they just don't last as long so you'd end up being buying five pairs for the same price um but you've just gone through so many and they all have to end up in landfill somewhere (laughs) yeah so it's more of an investment than um yeah but sometimes that's just doesn't work does it (laughs) and just yeah it's not always an option and not in that position Uh, it's a very vicious circle sometimes (laughs) yeah agreed perfect well thank you so much for joining us today emily it was wonderful having you on so where can our listeners find you where are you what's your shop Etsy shop name etc etc for people to check you out um so on etsy i'm uh, emily may designs um and the same on instagram uh with some dots emily.may.designs perfect Thank you. Excellent. Thank you so much for coming on. And uh, thank you everyone for listening. Don't forget to also follow at Fancy Blather on Instagram and we will talk to you next week. Thank you. Bye.